Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer or endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and of course, and as always, a little bit of entertainment. Happy birthday to us. Yes, the podcast is two years old this week. Whoop! I couldn't believe it when I realised that we launched the show two years ago and this is episode number 55. I have chatted with so many inspirational people since we set up the show in May of 2019. In the beginning, we were meeting in person and now look at us, interviewing athletes virtually from down the road to across the world, inspiring and encouraging us all with their achievements, adventures and appetite for sport. Thank you to everyone who has tuned in, downloaded, subscribed, shared the show and of course to all of our amazing guests who have been so generous with their time and agreed to be part of the show. As a one woman operation looking after 90% of the work that goes into getting an episode out every fortnight, it really has been fantastic to receive so much support for the show over the past two years. And a big shout out to our producer, Alan, who makes the finished product sound so good every time and has been a huge part of his success right from the very first step in setting it up through to today. Roll on the next two years, Alan, eh? I hope you're all doing well and are enjoying the easing of restrictions. What has been the biggest change to your life since the restrictions have eased? Did you go visit family? Did you head to the shops? Have you been out beyond your county to explore somewhere new? What have you done in the past two weeks that you hadn't done for some time? For me, I have yet to head to town to go shopping, can you believe it, or go outside the county boundaries. But I am planning to do both over the coming days and I'm kind of excited. It's the simple things in life that do make me happy these days though. A swim in the sea and a coffee after with the mermaids or a spin on the bike with the girls even when the heavens open and the rain is pelting into your face. Just like on the way home last Sunday, I arrived back after 70k soaked to the skin and I mean literally soaking but I had a big smiley head on me and I was delighted with myself. Now I'm not sure if it was the rain, the endorphins, the good company or my new Santini cycling kit that had me smiling but it was all good and as restrictions ease the hope on the horizon for a return to racing rises and I for one cannot wait to get back to a live finish line this summer. I am so ready for an adventure. I think my bags are going to be permanently packed and ready for road once we get racing again. In this special episode of the podcast, I chat with the amazing Aoife Cook, the marathon runner from Cork who stamped her ticket to Tokyo at the Cheshire Elite Marathon last month. Aoife ran a personal best time of 2 hours 28, 36 seconds to qualify for the Olympics this summer, moving her to the position of the fourth fastest Irish woman of all time over the 26.2 mile event. Her previous marathon time of 2.32.34 was recorded at Dublin Marathon in 2019, which saw her become the national marathon champion. Aoife is a proud member of Eagle AC and has represented the club over a multitude of distances from 5k to marathon. In her late teens, Aoife attended Arkansas Tech University on an athletic scholarship and showed great promise as a junior athlete, where she represented Ireland in the Euro cross countries in 2005. Unfortunately, injury prevented her from reaching her full athletic potential at that time. Coming home to Ireland, she took time to recover, rebuild and reignite a love of running. A New Year's resolution to run the Cork City Marathon in 2015 paved the way for her to commence her marathon running journey, which has seen her return to the top step of the podium and build on her achievements in running. 
With some key race successes, coupled with changes to her career and her training in recent years, Aoife Cook has run her way into the history books and has ambitious and exciting plans to excel even further in her chosen sport of marathon running. This was a fun chat with Aoife. Her humility and positivity shine through in this episode. We get some incredible insight to her journey in sport and once again are reminded that our dreams and goals are never too far out of reach with courage, commitment and a desire to succeed. Enjoy the show. Aoife Cook, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to a fellow Corkonian who is smoking up the 26.2 mile marathon distance running in recent weeks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Glad to be here. Um, So yeah, delighted to be on this as well. Aoife, it's been a few weeks since you set your marathon qualifying time for Tokyo. Has it been a whirlwind couple of weeks? It has, yeah. To be honest, it's been a bit crazy now the last few weeks just with, yeah, everyone kind of wanting to catch up and meet up and, you know, kind of talk about it and everything, um, all all in the best way, you know. So so it's been a great few weeks, really. Um, you know, just uh, a lot of clubs around Cork have kind of uh, given me gifts of flowers and um, some gear, some club gear. So I think I have club gear from, from <laughs> almost every club around Cork now at this stage. <laughs> Um, so no, it's been it's been a crazy busy few weeks now, but uh, really good, really good. So what what has it been like? Like talk us through some of the activities you've been up to. I know you had some um, involvement with Dublin City Marathon. They were launching their virtual series there. Just literally, I think it was last week that that happened. You know what's it like now walking around thinking I'm going to the Olympics. This is finally happening. I think I've only like really let it sink in in the last maybe last week in the last week I would say that it's really kind of sunk in and really like hit home that I'm actually going um so yeah it's it's been a bit crazy um I suppose like before that it was just so busy with um kind of doing um interviews and podcasts and things like that so it was just kind of I didn't have time to process it too much and yeah, I was involved with the the launch of the Dublin Marathon there last week as well. Um, so there was a lot of kind of media stuff involved in that too. Kind of like once last week was over, things kind of quietened down a little bit then, you know, and it was just at that time I kind of was like, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> I actually did that. <laughs> and, you know, this is happening now. I'm going to do Olympics. And then it's kind of been um, a process of, I suppose, figuring out what I'm going to do now between between now and the Olympics and kind of training wise and what I'm going to do. So it's been really interesting and really fun to, uh, to kind of work through that as well. So what happens next? How does it all kind of pan out for you now? Yeah, so like obviously this year it's a, a little bit different due to COVID, um, but we we are kind of trying to figure out um, the kind of best ways to get over there, you know, to kind of be prepared, you know, to be as prepared as we possibly can for the weather, you know, obviously to get over jet lag and everything like that as well. So I haven't anything booked or anything yet at the moment, but like the plan is to go away to train um hopefully to the states um to train at altitude and in warmer weather than, than we would get back here in Ireland <laughs> um yeah so the plan is to, to go over there um just trying to get everything finalized with that so that I have permission to do that and everything but um hopefully going to head over there the end of this month all going well and then um probably travel straight from there over to Japan um around the 
20th, 25th of July, that kind of way. Um, go to the holding camp there then and up to Sapporo um, where the marathon will be. On a scale of one to 10, how excited are you? I'm really excited now. Like I'm like, I, I'll be honest, like last week, I kind of got a bit overwhelmed. I was just like, this is all happening really quickly. And, you know, it's just kind of a lot of like trying to organize and, and a lot of stuff that's still up in the air, I suppose, at the moment. But then I just got to thinking and it was like, look, this is this is what you've wanted. You know, this is what you've been, you know, this is why you went to Cheshire to run the marathon to qualify. So you knew that this was a possibility. So um, I kind of sat down and it was like, look, just just kind of go with the flow, you know, whatever dates you're going to travel, just go with it. You know, you've nothing to lose here. So once I kind of got that into my head, it was just like, yeah, this is actually a really exciting time, you know, to like travel to the States now, um, somewhere I haven't been before. So I'll get that whole new experience. And then also to Japan, you know, which will be absolutely an incredible experience as well. I was chatting to somebody during the week and we were asking and discussing whether there was something in the water in Cork um, because yourself and Lizzie Lee and Sonia O'Sullivan, to name but a few of our female athletes heading to the Olympics as marathon runners, as runners, athletics. Is there something in the water that I wasn't drinking when I was living there that made you so fast? I don't know. Uh, we definitely have a good track record down here in uh, in Cork, right, when it comes to, um, you know, um, sports in general. Athletics definitely would be um, a big one, you know, obviously the ones you mentioned. And you know. well, I've forgotten about Phil Healy and a few others as well that are, you know, flying it as well. So apologies to anybody. I didn't mention they were just the ones that rolled off the tip of my tongue. Yeah, but like there is a lot. There is a lot. And we've been, um, I don't know, I think we're, you know, down in Cork, we, we're, we're driven bunch, you know. Know, we we like to succeed you know we we're the real capital down here and we just like to show it <laughs> no offense to be taken by any of our listeners who are living outside of uh, of cork especially the dubs going to cheshire there haven't been many opportunities for qualification for tokyo were you under a lot of pressure in that race going into it and we know pressures for tires and all the jokes that go around it but from a personal perspective had you laid everything on the line or had you all your eggs in one basket really going to Cheshire to try and qualify I did really like in my head it was just like this this is it this is your one chance you know because really and truly like you know I guess possibly you could go again but really it would be a hard ask you know to try and do another marathon before the end of May whether there is another marathon to do or not you know if there was even you know you'd just be so tired and trying to recover from from this one um that I was in my head like this is it like you you just have this one chance so that's what I had in my head you know when I was training for it um I suppose like kind of before it you know all through last year was just you know no races really there was nothing so just to have this one you know I was extremely grateful that it was actually going ahead and you know kudos to um the race organizer for doing it as well because he really did you know pull out all the stops to get it off the ground um, there was a lot of switching and changing and you know there was a lot of uncertainty it wasn't even like a hundred percent certain until two weeks before the race so he really you know did everything in his power to, to to have it go ahead so I was extremely grateful for that and just in my head yeah it was just this is this is your one shot you know so it was it was probably a good thing in a way you know it's probably you know obviously extra pressure and everything like that but I think when I had it in my head like look this is it you know I just you know I focused on that in the training you know and I really 
you know, I really let it all out there on the day. So I think it, it kind of worked well in that um, in that sense. And you didn't just qualify by the skin of your teeth. You actually went well under the Olympic qualifying time, a PB of two hours, 28, 36 at the race. Yeah, yeah. So it was just um, just under a minute, you know, below the qualifying time. So it was by a good chunk, you know. So again, I, I think I probably, you know, went out aggressively enough. Um, I didn't want to take any chances. You know, I, I knew like, you know, if I was just going for the qualifying time exactly then there's not a lot of room for error so I kind of had that in my head like if I was to you know just go out have a bit of a cushion there that if anything was to happen you know you never know Um, and obviously the last few miles are always tough going in a marathon and and you don't really know what's going to happen so it was good to know in my head that I, I had you know a bit of leeway there. Yeah, we've jumped straight into talking about the Olympic qualification. We haven't actually gone back to talk about the Aoife Cook and where this prowess and power in marathon running came from. So for our listeners, we might go back a little bit before we go forward a little bit. Um, So Aoife, where did this interest in sport come from? Were you always sporty? Were you always involved in, in running and athletics? What was life like before marathon running? So I, I would have always been active as as a child, you know, always growing up, I would be out in the um, the green, out in our estate, playing soccer, rounders, you know, any sport or any activity um, <laughs> that, that, that all the other people were playing, you know, so I was always out and active. And um, I joined the Ballincollig Athletic Club when I was 11. So they just started up the club there when, when I was 11. So I joined um, my aunt. Um, I don't know if you, you'd have heard of her, Mary Sweeney. Um, she would have been like a great runner back in her day as well. And she was coaching the club in Ballincollig. So, you know, that was part of the reason why I joined. And I just loved it, you know, just really enjoyed it. Um, like it was mainly just to kind of hang out with friends at the beginning, you know, and, and do a bit of running as well. <laughs> um, and I played soccer for, for Ballincollig for a few years as well, up until I was about 16. I kind of started improving at the running then. And like when I was about 16, I kind of started winning medals and stuff. Um, so I just kind of I, I stopped playing the soccer then and I, I kind of just committed myself to the running. And I got a scholarship um, over to the States, over to Arkansas Tech and went over there for a few years came back early because of injuries I was getting stress fractures I had low bone density and um, so I kind of had to come back and I I kind of stopped the running for a few years then so for a period of about maybe six years I wasn't now I kind of kept up like low low level running and just going out for a run for fitness but like there was no intensity no kind of sessions or anything like that uh, it was in 2015 then, you know, I'd sorted out everything with my my bone uh, density and the stress fractures. So I was kind of OK in that regard. And I just decided um, I wanted to get back into it um, in 2015. And I signed up for the Cork City Marathon. Um, so got training for that and um, yeah, kind of got back into it from there. Now, I had no like you know, no dreams of the Olympics or anything like that at that point. Um, it was just kind of like I, I did well kind of on the local scene, I suppose. But um, yeah, it just kind of progressed from there then. So you mentioned there you were having issues with fractures and stuff. Did I read somewhere you had osteopenia? Is is that what it's called? Yeah, osteopenia. Yeah. Yeah. So what what is that, Aoife? So it's it's basically a slow bone density. So like, you know, you have osteoporosis. Um, so this is kind of just like below, like, so it's it's kind of goes like normal osteopenia, osteoporosis. 
Um, so like I was, I was lucky enough that osteopenia is reversible. So um, if it had progressed a little further into osteoporosis, that's not reversible, you know. So it was good that I, I caught it and I, I was young, you know, as well when it happened. So um, I was able to kind of work on it and, um, and reverse it back to normal. Did you have a lot of success when you were in the States then as well as part of that scholarship? You know, you must have been running fairly well at the time to have gotten the scholarship to the States. Yeah, so I was I was quite good at cross country. So cross country would have been my thing when I was younger. And I, yeah, I won like a few county medals and, you know, kind of all Ireland medals and stuff over here. Um, and the coach over in Arkansas Tech was kind of keeping track of, of, you know, races over here. And my name popped up a few times. So he got in touch. He was Irish as well. He's from um, Waterford originally. He sent over an email. And at the time, like it, I wasn't like seeking to go to America. You know, it wasn't something that was really on my radar. But then when I got the email, I kind of got thinking, oh, yeah, you know, maybe this would be a good idea, you know, if I want to kind of get to the next level of my running and improve at my running um this this might be a good route to go down so I just kind of yeah bit the bullet and and went over there um so the first year was tough enough just trying to I suppose adjust you know culturally and and you know kind of get over a bit of homesickness and all of that because I would have been only 17 when I when I went over there first it was mainly cross country that I would have been good at over there. Um, so it was in my second year over there that I really started um, to see results. And I won my conference championships over there and my regional championships. And I was ninth at the national championships that year. And then I actually I flew back to Ireland to run in the Irish national championships as a junior. And I finished third. Um, so that qualified me to go to the Euro cross country. So I got my first and only <laughs> Irish vest <laughs> to date until I go to Tokyo now. <laughs> it, it must have been very tough leaving home at 17. You mentioned homesickness. You know, you're going to the other side of the world. I know you have a, a, probably a crew around you when you're in the States and, and lots of the great runners have gone there before you um, to the States on scholarships and, and things like that. A lot of the great Irish runners have, have done that. Was it difficult as a 17-year-old girl to leave home and go over and chase a passion for sport? You know, it was like I, I was excited at the prospect of um, of a new adventure and everything like that. And to be honest, like I didn't really know what I wanted to do after school, you know, college wise and everything like that. So it just seemed like a good opportunity or a good thing to do at the time, you know, that I could go over and, and kind of figure it out, you know, as I went along over there. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of my reasoning behind going and obviously to improve at the running as well. Um, but yeah, of course, it was hard. It was hard to leave, um, you know, family and friends and things like that. And it's just so different culturally over there. Like Arkansas Tech is in Russellville in Arkansas, and it's actually it's a dry county. So they don't sell alcohol at all <laughs> in the county. So, you know, I was kind of like, you know, my friends back here were, you know, having that college experience where they were going out and all of that kind of stuff. And I was over there having my very different college experience but um, I kind of I did adjust and obviously better for the running that I <laughs> I had the more calm experience, I guess. And I made friends, you know, kind of started um, doing stuff that, that they did over there. Like they would go to the lake, you know, there's really nice lakes and stuff, go swimming and all that kind of stuff. 
which was a lot of fun. Um, so I really kind of came into my own over there in, in the second year. In my first year, I came home for the summer, but um, I decided to stay over um, the summer of my second year. And I kind of worked in the college doing painting in the dorm rooms. And um, yeah, it was it was such a great, uh, really fun uh, summer for me. So um, I really did start to enjoy it then. And all your friends were probably trying to come over on the J1 visa that summer that you didn't come home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when I told them it was a dry county. They, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we'll come down and visit for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then when did you come home? When did you come back to court then? like almost three years so I was maybe like two and three quarters a year over there and uh, came home then it was probably kind of starting into my third year of college that um, the injuries and all of that kind of started and so again it was a really tough decision for me because I was I was you know finally after kind of fitting in over there and made really good friends Um, but in my head like I suppose I was there to run, first of all, and the scholarship was a running scholarship, you know, and I wasn't able to run. And as well, I I kind of just kept changing my major. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So like, I don't think I would have gotten a degree over there, you know, in four years anyway. So at that point, I just decided, you know, it's time to go home and, you know, kind of get stuff sorted at home. Um, So that's what I did. It must have been very frustrating from a, a mindset and a mental perspective, was it? It was, yeah. Like, like as I said, you know, I really, you know, I was really coming into my own in the running, you know, like I'd won those races that I mentioned and qualified for the European cross country. So I would have really been considered one of the up and coming athletes at home in Ireland, you know, and, and people were probably kind of had great, you know, prospects for me and everything like that. And then um, and then that happened. So it was it was very hard at the time. And I did get very down and upset. And, you know, just like I suppose that's what I had planned for myself as well. And and then it all kind of just went away overnight almost, you know. Um, So it was tough and it it did take me a while to, I suppose, um, you know, come to terms with it and, and kind of figure out what to do other than the running, I guess. And even to kind of like you'd spend so much time running and now injury was preventing you do what you wanted to do. Was it hard to come home then as well? Yeah, like, I mean, in a way, again, I I was excited in one sense and just come home and to family and friends and and everything like that. But um, I think it was harder in a way because like obviously when I was in America, you know, you're always going to come home, you know, at least once a year or whatever. But when going the other way I was going home it's like when will I actually ever come back you know to Arkansas will I ever come back you know you just don't know that kind of a way so it was very hard you know to say goodbye to friends there because you don't really know if you're actually going to see them again you know and then we see the wonderful journey that you're on now uh, the path to Tokyo which may not have happened if you hadn't had all those issues with the injuries and the osteo I still can't pronounce it (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to try anymore Um, but you know coming home so where or how did you end up getting back into running obviously the the issues and the fractures and and that um, it all kind of cleared up and Mm -hmm. you started back into the journey in sport again yeah so yeah like in 2015 I just decided to kind of get back running and I I um 
entered that Cork Marathon just as a as something to focus on, really, you know, just something to motivate me to train, really. And sorry, had you been running between that, Aoife, or what had you been doing before the Cork Marathon? Like, had you kept up a level of fitness or? So basically, I suppose like when it first happened, I had to stop completely because I had the fractures and, you know, had to let those heal. Um, but actually, like for, for low bone density, like a certain amount of um, weight bearing exercise is good. So running is a weight bearing exercise, um, but it has to be kind of low, low intensity. Like it was when you kind of upped the intensity that, you know, the, the fractures would happen. So I did like I was running still kind of most days, really, maybe five days a week, maybe doing 10K sort of, you know. Um, so I was still able to do that kind of most days. Um, and then um, I suppose the, the bone density, you know, righted itself um, and that became OK. And I, I'd maybe kind of upped like the mileage a little bit more where I'd maybe run eight miles and, and maybe do like a 12, 13 mile at the weekend. But still, I, I wasn't really doing sessions or anything like that. Um, I was kind of afraid in a way for a while. Um, so for about two years, I was just a little bit too afraid to, to kind of go back just in case, you know, and as well, I, I guess I would have been comparing myself to, you know, what I had achieved before. And I didn't really want to do that. And, and that's kind of why I did the marathon, really, because, you know, before I was doing 5Ks and maybe 10K and the marathon was just such a different event that, you know, I couldn't really compare the two. So it was just something completely new. You know, I could, you know, clean slate sort of a thing. Um, so that's kind of why I decided um, to go for that in, in 2015. So I just decided I'd start training a bit more focused training um, from the January of 2015. So it was a New Year's resolution, <laughs> one that actually worked. <laughs> and yeah, so I started training for it then. And I did a few um, races in the build up to the Cork Marathon. So one that kind of sticks out in my head is the Ballycotton 10 that I did. Great race down in Cork. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's great. It's such a shame that it's gone. They're famous for their mugs, aren't they? They are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I finished fourth that day in, in the Ballycotton 10. I was surprised because, you know, they get like a really good uh, field every year. And I ran, I think, 61 and a half minutes, which was, you know, fairly decent um, for just having started back training and it was in my head and I remember actually as I was running um, there was someone in the crowd and like I remember her saying is daddy for cook and I think that in my head was like okay I'm back I'm home you know this is where this is where I'm supposed to be you know um, so that I always think about that that you know even though I hadn't been you know involved in the sport for years I came back that day and somebody recognized me, you know, um, so that that was amazing. And and that kind of really was was what um, made me stick to it, I think. So then the jump to the marathon. Yeah, so I um, I did the Cork Marathon in the June and wasn't a great experience. <laughs> um, so I, like, I suppose like I, I just didn't have the knowledge for the training, really. I was just kind of training. Um, you know, just just kind of regular training and um, just seeing what I could do. And I think on the day I was going out at like kind of sub three hour um, pace for the marathon. I think I went through half like in like 
that I, you know, I would have done 255 if I kept it the same pace. But uh, yeah, hit the wall very hard at around mile 18 and, and struggled all the way home. So um, got to the finish line at that time myself. I'd never run a marathon again. But uh, I kind of kept up doing like the shorter races um, for the next couple of years. Like, you know, I, everything from 5K up to half marathon, really, I did. And eventually those times started improving. And then I kind of told myself, OK, maybe you can tackle the marathon again. <laughs> so where did you go then between 2015 and 2019 when you ran down that finish line of the Dublin Marathon as the national champion? Yeah, so um, 2016, like I said, I just kind of focused on those distances between 5K and uh, kind of half marathon. In 2017, then I did the Amsterdam Marathon in the October. So I kind of trained for that. I trained a bit more consistently and a bit more focused towards marathon training that year and um, did have a big improvement on, on what I did in Cork. I ran 2.46 in Amsterdam. So it was like, you know, 29 minutes of a um, of an improvement. Um, so it was kind of after that that I kind of started thinking, OK, you know, there's something, you know, if I kind of keep keep at it, then, you know, there's potential, you know, to do something special, maybe, you know. 2018 then wasn't a great year for me. I kind of struggled a lot um, with stuff at work and I kind of ended up changing my job to start working for myself and just kind of a lot of stress and pressure and just kind of mentally, I kind of took time out of work um, kind of for mental health and everything like that. So I was still training, but I just felt like, you know, I the, the times were kind of getting slower um, rather than faster. And I was just kind of like, what's going on here? So kind of decided um, that's when I kind of got in touch with the coach that I have now. So kind of towards the end of 2018, things were kind of a bit more settled at that stage. So I said I'd get onto a coach and see see what, what, what we can do. Um, so I remember sending him the email kind of outlining you know what I had done and you know everything like that and he emailed me back and he had been following me on Strava anyway um so he kind of saw the training I was doing and everything like that and he he emailed me back and he was like I know what to do you know um if you want to you know come you know be coached by me basically and he was like I think you have the potential to go to the Olympics and he said it in that first email and I actually just got the shivers when you said that <laughs> yeah I was kind of like I read the email I was like what <laughs> really <laughs> but um at the same time I was intrigued I was like okay you know whatever he's taking <laughs> I want some of it too <laughs> um so I was like look why not? Nothing to lose here. Um, so I, I, we started, um, he started coaching me then from the end of um, 2018. Um, we just kind of focused on training for the first few months. So just to kind of get myself fit and into a place where I felt confident again. And in the March of 2019, I ran the Mallow 10 mile and I ran um, 55, 17 there. And that was a major breakthrough for me, you know, a major improvement on anything I'd done before. And it just kind of there was a lot of people who saw and that were surprised, saw the result um, because it was it was it was kind of a huge deal. I think it was the fastest 10 mile run in a few years by an Irish woman. So it was kind of from there, then we kind of made the decision that I would do the Dublin Marathon. 
and then trained for that through the summer. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've chatted with Lizzie and she's been on the podcast with us as well. And she talks about her marathon experience in Dublin, that those last three miles to the finish line coming down the finish. It's like as if everyone that's on the footpath is just cheering you on that they're calling your name. What was it like for running down the finish line or maybe talk us through your your marathon experience? Was it all that you expected or was it head down? Can't look around me. I'm under pressure. You know, what were your thoughts going into it and how the race unfolded? No, it was a, an incredible experience. I think the atmosphere in Dublin was just, you know, I don't think it will ever be topped, really, to be honest. I, I started the Dublin Marathon, um, like in my head at the time, I was kind of aiming for around 2.35. So I probably started around that pace, you know, to, to kind of um, to go for that time. But um, I suppose around five or six miles in, I was feeling really good. And, you know, I just was kind of starting to run faster and, you know, without having to push myself any any more you know I felt quite comfortable at it so I just said look let's go with this now you know you're feeling good and it was amazing like it's just like there's um people cheering you on at every single corner in Dublin like so there's no part of the course where you know you feel lonely or you know like in a lot of places you go like there's a few spots where like it's it's a bit quieter but that's not the case in Dublin um it's like every corner you go around there's people screaming and shouting cheering you on and like you know you don't have time to like be tired or you know <laughs> it's like you turn and they're cheering you on so that spurs you on um so it was incredible and felt really good throughout like you know um unlike uh cork you know there was there was no wall or anything like that um so i just felt really strong like you know you were saying like with the last kind of three miles you know yeah the, you know there's just people just lined the whole way down and and it's pretty kind of straight like you know from at least the last two miles anyway it's pretty straight it's just like keep going um to the finish line you know and i just remember like with about about a mile to go maybe a bit less um there was a guy I know Pat Walsh he's he's from Cork and he was just there and um he put out his hand you know and he just I just gave him a high five and yeah just kind of drove it on home from there so um yeah incredible experience like um like I said you know the atmosphere is just incredible and I don't think it will ever be topped (laughs) even the Olympics uh, <laughs> well, like, there won't be any crowds at this one, so <laughs> maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. Um, <laughs> Aoife, you've you've come on massively since obviously since Cork, but like you've had a huge improvement in terms of performance. What has changed? So, like, I, I definitely changed up my training a lot um, between Amsterdam and Dublin um, with the coach I'm working with now. Like, we we really kind of focus on more on the endurance. The 5K, 10K area doesn't work well for me. Um, I know a lot of athletes, it does work where they do, like, the, the faster, shorter stuff and then go into the marathon. But I think we found with me that... I'm just an endurance bunny, you know, <laughs> I just love running miles and that's what works for me. So kind of from 10 mile up to Martin is, is kind of my area, I would say. Um, so we just kind of focused on that kind of year round, really, rather than than going towards the shorter stuff at all. Um, and just, yeah, just just kind of like found the sessions and, and what works for me. I would 
run um, a lot more mileage now. Um, I do love the mileage and I do find that it makes me stronger. Um, so I'm running upwards of 100 miles a week most of the time, which would have been a lot different from when I was training for Amsterdam. I think I was running like the highest mileage week I did coming up to Amsterdam would have been 70 miles. So, you know, that that's a big difference in itself. How does that 100 miles break down, Aoife, in terms of running distances per day? Or do you break the sessions up to run in the morning and, and run in the evening? Or how does it work? Yeah, so like on Wednesdays and Sundays, they're my big session days. So on Sunday will be my long run. I could run 20 to 24 miles maybe um, on a Sunday. And then Wednesday would probably cover 16, 18 miles as well. And then on the other days, I, I kind of break it up into two runs. So I'd run eight in the morning and six in the evening. And do you run on your own or do you run with other people? Have you got a, a training crew that can push you on or that will make yeah. you work harder or slow down when you're pushing too hard when you shouldn't be? Yeah, so I, there's a good group of uh, guys that I, I train with on my harder sessions. Um, a couple of them would be in, in Eagle um, that I, you know, the, the club that I'm in, so Mark and Damien. And there's a few from um, from other clubs as well um, that would, would jump in sometimes. So um, there's a good crew and they'd all be around you know the same level which is great you know and, and we push each other on um on the easy runs then I most of the time would probably just go by myself um the odd time I'd meet up with a friend you know just just for a chat or whatnot <laughs> on the easy recovery runs and what do you do to protect your body now Aoife to mind it when you're doing 100 miles week in week out or and sometimes I imagine that there's more than 100 miles being done in a week how do you protect your bones your body your general health to make sure that you can get up every day to continue to train I do um a strength and conditioning session every week so I do one kind of strength and conditioning session with weights and everything like that um in order to stay strong I'm a Pilates teacher so I do quite a bit of Pilates kind of stretching and stuff like that I make sure to go for a massage probably once every fortnight um just to keep on top of everything um with that as well just I, I think sleep as well I, I do make sure that I get at least eight hours sleep a night sometimes more uh, so I think those are the main things that I would do to, to keep on top of everything and obviously just eat well, you know, eat, eat enough that you're um, for, for the running that you're doing and, and make sure it's good stuff. We actually had a question come in and I can't remember who it was from, but they did actually ask about your nutrition strategy for a general week. You know, what sort of foods do you eat? What do you what do you look for when you're going to, to fill your plate? Um, so like I try my best to like fresh veg, you know, when I'm cooking my dinner, you know, I'd, I'd obviously kind of make sure to have, um, you know, my meat, maybe chicken, I'd probably eat chicken most days. I'd, I'd have a bit of red meat maybe once or twice a week. So I'd, I kind of, kind of stick to, uh, pasta dishes or rice dishes usually for my dinner, stir fries, you know, um, maybe curries, you know, pasta, spaghetti bolognese, those kind of things. I kind of just make sure that I suppose when I'm looking at um, sauces or labels or anything like that, that there's not a lot of sugar in them. Just like I think a lot of, um, you know, those things in jars or packets, if you're looking at the ingredients, like one of the first ingredients is sugar. Um, so I try to stay away from anything like that and, and go for kind of more, more natural stuff. Um, other than that, it's like fairly basic. Like I don't, I don't kind of 
stress too much about it. I'd usually have porridge in the morning, maybe like a stir fry for lunch and, you know, pasta or a curry or something for dinner. Like, yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. (laughs) You mentioned there that in 2018, towards the end of it, that you actually changed jobs as well. You started working for yourself. Do you think was that a, a pivotal moment in your running career as well to let your passion for sport become your profession, maximizing your interest in sport by now working in the industry full time and that that was a positive, pivotal decision to make? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I wasn't happy um, in the job that I was in and, and that caused a lot of stress and unhappiness, I think, in that obviously trickled over into into the running and everything like that um so when I did change the jobs like I was obviously a lot happier doing doing that than I was in the job that I was in before um and also it allowed me to be a lot more flexible you know so like I could fit everything around my training and it's great you know um and yeah I, I love the, the work that I do you know the people that I'm working with now um doing personal training and doing classes and um some running coaching and I coach some clubs in Cork um here as well so it's really like every day is kind of interesting you're meeting different people and um keeps me busy and um keeps me sociable and it's great I love it you know and I, I suppose the most important thing is that I'm happier doing it, you know. And you must get a kick out of seeing people achieve their own personal goals as well as a personal trainer and as a runner, um, especially seeing people hit their own goals and targets across whatever distances they're trying to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, it gives me a great kick when I get like, you know, a message or a call from from one of the people that I'm coaching saying they've gotten a PB or even like their session went really well, you know, and because I know how it feels when when I, I do a really good session, I'm really happy with it or when I get a PB. So it's fantastic, you know, to to know that that these people are having those similar feelings because they had a great session. And when you're not training and cooking and working, what do you do? Like what, what do you do to relax, to chill, to keep your mind happy when you're not training and not working? I like, well, I suppose pre-COVID, um, I would have been involved in a drama group. Link in Cork, we, we have a drama group. Um, now, we are still doing it online over Zoom at the moment, but I would um, be involved in a play uh, once a year with them. Um, so that's great fun. During the pandemic, I actually took up um, guitar as well. So I've been learning how to play the guitar. <laughs> um, and yeah, other than that, like, you know, the the usual stuff, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so come back to this whole thing about the, the drama and the guitar. So will you like, is it is it um, drama group as in, you know, you do musicals and things like that? Or is it, you know, play adaptations? Will we see it in an adaptation of Dancing at Lunasa or The Field? Or are we likely to see you playing the guitar or in the chorus of um, (laughs) singing in the rain or Mary Poppins yeah so what we do actually uh, we we write um, our own stuff so we write the plays ourselves Um, so it's usually the last few years anyway it's just kind of short stories in the play so like a few different short kind of scenes um, in the plays and we perform usually in um, the Cork Arts Theatre in Cork once a year um, so it's great. It's it's a really, really good process, you know, like it, it's a very long process because you're really starting from nothing, you know, but it's it's really um 
you know, to see kind of starting from scratch and then like how it progresses and, and actually getting a finished product at the end is amazing. The process would take almost a year, you know, from from start to finish. Um, but it's really enjoyable. Um, I definitely think it's it's helped me come out of myself a lot more, you know, just a few years ago, I would never have like seen myself getting up on stage or doing anything like that. So it's it's been a great experience. And I imagine um, using the creative side of your brain is a good distraction from using the other side of your brain that has to concentrate on targets and numbers and figures and and training numbers versus creative, very different side of your brain to be using. It is. It's great. And I love it just because it's so different, I guess, you know, to be doing something like obviously my work is running related and, and things like that. So it's nice to have something that's completely different um, to kind of do to take your mind off of it every now and again. When you look back at all you've achieved so far, what would you say have been the highlights of your running career or your sporting career? Oh, like I like I suppose the Cheshire Marathon was definitely, you know, you know, the top of the list there now um, to get the Olympic qualifying time would, would have to be probably up there. Um, Dublin as well. Dublin um, was it was a huge one for me because before Dublin, I would have been relatively unknown. It was a huge jump to go from Amsterdam to, to what I did in Dublin. So that would probably be like up there definitely. Um, I suppose when it came to the Cheshire Marathon, I suppose more eyes were on me. People kind of knew who I was. People, not that they expected me to to do the qualifying time, but they were they were watching to see if I would kind of a thing. Um, so those two would would probably be the top. No surprises there, I suppose. <laughs> and then I suppose you look at the low lights. Have there been low lights in your career? Um, of course, like obviously getting the injuries. I suppose. God, thinking about it now, that's a good question. Um, I can't think of any particular races off the top of my head that that were like overly disappointing. Yeah, there was races that didn't go to plan, but they weren't like hugely important races either. So, yeah, I would have to say the injuries, getting the injuries is probably the the low. (laughs) And you mentioned at the start of the show, Aoife, that your aunt was the coach in the athletics club that you joined. How important has her influence been or was her influence at the start of your sporting journey to get you to where you are today? Uh, hugely and still would be um she she still goes out running now like she she ran a just a virtual marathon there for for the fun of it a few weeks back you know (laughs) um but yeah like I remember growing up and she'd be going like we we lived close together when I was growing up and I just used to watch her going out for her runs in the in the mornings and you know I used to always watch and be like wow that's really cool like you know I'd love to be like that and she actually won the first Bally Cotton back 40 years ago. Um, so she she was um, an incredible runner. She she's ran for Ireland a few times um, for the Masters in cross country and things like that. So you know I I'd have seen all of that growing up and I, yeah she was she was a real um, inspiration. And uh, then when when I joined the club, like she would have been coaching me and I suppose I kind of, you know, wanted to impress her. So <laughs> so I upped my game. <laughs> I'm sure she was seriously impressed with the um, Olympic qualification. Oh, she was. Yeah, she was delighted. Um, I met her there um, a couple of weeks ago after it. And yeah, she was thrilled for me, you know. So, yeah, I, I finally, <laughs> I finally impressed her. <laughs> um, what are you most excited about with regards to Tokyo? 
just the whole experience, um, like just to, to go over there. And I suppose like, you know, just to see the athletes that, that I'll be kind of in the same race with is um is kind of fantastic, you know, like the people that you've only ever really seen on TV and you know, you might follow on Instagram and all of that, that you know, they'll be lining up in the same race as me, which is which is really cool. Um yeah, and just to I suppose experience the the whole kind of Olympic experience and um you know just take it all in and um just to I, I suppose putting on the the green jersey as well you know um I think that would be a very proud moment. I'm actually getting nervous thinking about it <laughs> for you. <laughs> um how do you manage your nerves? Do you get nervous? Yeah, oh yeah, like I mean I, I suppose I'd be worried if I didn't get nervous. Um, I think nerves are good. Um, obviously, too much nerves is probably not good, but it's good to be a little bit nervous. Um, I think over the years, and I suppose when I was younger, kind of in Arkansas and stuff, I would have been incredibly serious and um, probably got really nervous because it was like everything to me. Um, whereas now, obviously, it's a huge deal to me, but I, I have so many other things going on as well that it's not the end of the world. Like, obviously, I'd be hugely disappointed if things didn't go right and, you know, I didn't get the qualifying times and things like that. But I think at the end of the day, I would think, look, there, there, there'll there, be other days, you know. But um, so, yeah, like there, there's that. And I think like going into Cheshire, I just kind of thought of it as, you know, I every Sunday I'm doing a long run. Every Sunday I'm kind of pushing myself. So it's it's like it's going to be a bit longer, but it's it's just like any of those <laughs> those Sunday long runs. Just with slightly a bit more pressure. A little bit more pressure, yeah. But I I think I I, I was surprised because I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends and things were like, oh, we're going to be watching it, you know, we're going to be streaming it, and even friends that aren't runners, you know, and just like I was like, oh my god, the whole of Cork is going to be watching this. <laughs> the whole of the country was nearly watching it, I'd say, Eva. But um, on the morning, like I didn't think about that at all, which was good, you know. I just like was focused on, I suppose, the task ahead, and you just kind of zone into that, really. The other question I want to ask you is: uh, you mentioned um, about going to the lakes in Arkansas with your friends. Did you swim? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was really nice to to swim in the lakes. There it was nice and warm, you know. Um, so a little bit different to here. <laughs> so the next question I have for you then is: Did you ever cycle? A little bit. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of cycling. Um, no, I mean, I like I, I've done it a few times, just kind of like cycling the Greenway and things like that, you know. Um, but I kind of in my head think like, why would I cycle when I can run? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was all building up to the question of, you know, could we consider um, bringing you across to triathlon? Would you ever consider doing one or an Ironman? Because, you know, you'd blast that marathon in an Ironman, so you would. Yeah, look, I <laughs> even if I'm way behind after the uh, the swim and the cycle, no, it, it has crossed my mind. Um, I went to watch the um the Ironman when it was on in in Yall, um, which like obviously the day I you were probably there were you the day was <laughs> just horrible, but uh, it was still incredible to watch, you know. And I think like it might. I know, don't quote me on this or don't. <laughs> we'll have a headline out straight but, away. <laughs> <laughs> but I think when when my running career is over and when I've done kind of everything I want to do with the marathon, um, it is something that I might consider. Another question for you then, everything I want to do with the marathon. So tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> um, OK, so I 
I definitely think there's there's a lot more to grow into, you know, um, from from what I've improved over the last few years. Um, I think there's definitely potential to improve a good bit more. Um, given my age, you know, you know, before you probably would have thought at 34, you know, you'd be nearly coming to the end of your career. But obviously, you know, given you know, athletes now, you know, are going for a lot longer and, you know, you, you have Sinead Diver running well over 40 now and she's she's still like, she's still <laughs> winning races. <laughs> no signs of her stopping anytime soon. Um, so I think I have maybe another eight, eight years that I um, can can keep going and, and, and improving potentially. So I would um, think that I could um, get to the Paris Olympics in 2024 um, I would like to um, edge my way up in the marathon list a little bit more. It might be a bit ambitious. I'd love to get to the top spot. Look, we'll see what happens. <laughs> These are all goals. You know, if you shoot for the moon, um, you know, you never know what will happen. Well, I, I love that. And I'm just thinking back to the girl coming home from America after her injuries and what she would think of what you've just said about those fantastic aspirations and those amazing opportunities that you'll have to pursue those dreams in sport. They were probably never even on your radar back when you were 17, 18, 19. And now it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. We do have a couple of questions after coming in from some of the audience. Uh, so we're going to go through those, uh, just a couple. The first one of those is from Run Kerry Run, Kerry O'Flaherty. She says, if you could choose a favourite event on the track to compete in, what would it be? And of course, Kerry O'Flaherty, an Olympian herself. That's a good question. I would probably say the 5K on the track would would be my preference. I know I'm a bit more of an endurance person, but I think the 10K on the track just seems a lot, like 25 laps on the track just seems so much. <laughs> so I think I would go with the 5K. I think four laps of the track is an awful lot for my 25. Um, Nicola from Nick Loves Trails says, do you ever get tired of training and just need a break? There are days that I, I do get very tired, you know, um, especially when you're in the bulk of your, your marathon training. Needing a break, um, I, I I haven't yet. Like I, I've still gone out um, now. To be honest, like some of my easy runs could be very slow if I'm feeling very tired, you know, um, you know, it, there's no need to be kind of hitting a certain pace on your easy runs. So on those days, like it's nice not to have that pressure to be like, oh, I need to hit a certain pace. Um, so you can just go out and shuffle if you want, you know, um, you're, you're still getting that benefit of the recovery and um, and aerobically and everything. You're still getting those benefits. So that kind of acts like a little bit of a, a break for me. Um, it's just not to have the stress of being going out every day and being like, I have to hit this pace. I have, I have to hit that pace. Um, you can take a bit of a more relaxed approach to it. And I think that works for me. And our final question is from Coach Staza. Who is your favorite training <laughs> partner and why? I presume that's your own coach, Aoife, is it? And he asked, so there's Ken, Damien or Paul. Who is your favorite training partner and why? Or maybe there's somebody aside from those three. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that now. <laughs> I'll be linked. Now go on, tell us who's your favorite. No, no, I'll, I'll be killed. I'll be killed. <laughs> How important was it that you connected with your coach, John? it's made all the difference really again you know from what he said at the very beginning you know it's just obvious that he has that belief in me and it's great you know that 
to know that someone has that belief in you, you know, and it helps you to kind of believe it yourself then as well. Um, he's always kind of been good at, I suppose, if if I kind of felt down on myself for, you know, just kind of started doubting myself, he's very good at kind of building you back up again, you know. And I think it's a good measure of a coach because when I started with him, I wasn't in a good place and I wasn't running well. And it's a really good measure of a coach, you know, to take someone on when they're not at their best and and to build them up you know it's it's very easy to coach someone when they're doing well I think but he took me from the floor <laughs> and built me back up are you um an athlete that is well behaved would your coach would John describe you as a well-behaved athlete in terms of doing the sessions as prescribed do you do everything he tells you to do or would you push back at him on different things no like I I def like I would definitely um do everything that he he would ask me now we we do have discussions about the training and everything like that so it, it is more of a conversation these days maybe at the beginning he, he kind of prescribed a bit more and, and I would just do it I, I guess I'm, I'm a lot more knowledgeable myself and I, I kind of um more in tune with the training and stuff myself now as well um, we would have a conversation most weeks about, you know, what might be best and everything like that. But once he gives me my training, I'll, I'll be doing it. Like, you know, <laughs> if he tells me to stand on my head, I'll do it. <laughs> my final question for you. What is it about running that makes you so happy? Ooh, um, I like it. Um Oh, it's hard to explain. I guess like um, on the easy runs, it's, it's really nice just to go out and clear your head. I love just being outside anyway. Um, whatever the weather is, it doesn't matter. Like once you're running, like outstanding in the rain, is not very nice. But when you're running in it, it's fine. Um, so it's really nice just to get out every day and, and clear the head after a busy day or whatnot. And in the sessions, it, it's like kind of like therapeutic in a way you're just focused on the running and you don't think about anything else other than the running itself and the paces you're hitting and what you need to do um so like when you're out for a long run at the weekend it's like two hours of just nothing else and just the running and you can forget about everything else that's going on you know so I really like that and of course now the opportunity to head to Tokyo this summer. Walifa, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I can't wait to watch you in the marathon and wish you the very, very best of luck. And hopefully I'll see you at the Dublin Marathon at some point as well, where I presume you're going to try and defend your title from 2019. Yes, I will definitely have to do that. Um, whether it's this year, I don't know. But whenever it is, I'll do my best to be at that start line. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. That's try with an I, not a Y. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi. Let me know what you think of the show. And if you're new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be inspired and impressed by our guests. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.